It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who's not emboldening our enemies with babbling stupidity. So Joe Biden contradicting the Pentagon on China's spy balloon, and we're all less safe as a result. This is total crap. We're going to have a grown-up talk about it, and we're going to get into the battle between Donald Trump... And wow, man, oh boy, oh man, it is heating up between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. This guy will say anything. We are going to dive right in. Take some punches from both sides of the aisle on this one. 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of this Super Bowl edition of the show, where you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, root for the Eagles, you can root for the Chiefs. We don't care. Just don't be a That is all. Happy Friday. Happy Super Bowl. Uh, We have stacked the deck today. Fox News reporter Jared Max is going to be in the house to take us inside like the actual X's and O's of the game. We're also going to have Philadelphia radio legend Rich Zioli, who gives us the over-under on the amount of police horses that are going to get punched if the Eagles win. That's a thing. Texas Representative Wesley Hunt will be here to talk adult stuff. Lincoln Fela in the house, back from his stand-up comedy debut in Reno. And uh, a very special guest at the end of the show today from one of my all-time favorite movies. My top two favorite movies, okay? As you know, one is The Naked Gun. Bingo. Two is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Andy! Andy! And Mark Holton, who famously played Francis, the most notorious bicycle thief in the world, uh, happened to be watching me talk about his movies on Fox News one day, reached out to me. And was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you mentioned my movies on Fox News. Get out. That's amazing. I was watching you talk about it on The Five. Well, I was like, well, don't stop being amazed now. Come do the show. And he was <laughs> fired up. You're going to be on Fox Across America, you know. So he's pumped up. It is a Super Bowl Friday. Uh, but we begin, of course, with the Super Bowl of stupid in Washington, D.C. Biden is such a disaster. So they sent Biden out to Telemundo to do an interview after the drugs wore off from the State of the Union. You know, he still had a little bit of pep in him. He couldn't get to bed because they shot him up with so much B12 and amphetamines. And while the Adderall was still making him shout random things into the sky, what about Xi Jinping? But like, the question was, how are you, Joe? So they let him burn off a little bit of extra energy. They shot him down yesterday, uh, sat him down with Telemundo. And Biden said with a straight face that China flying a balloon over our airspace is not a breach. That is a fact check false. Okay, it is not only a breach, it is a major breach. Biden went on to say also that it's not a major breach. That was embarrassing. It's embarrassing, one. Because the Pentagon has already called it out for being a major breach, a violation of our international sovereignty. So for one, okay, it's embarrassing because you're contradicting your Pentagon again and you look like you don't know what you're talking about. But two, it's because you're projecting a lot of weakness on the world stage. Tell it like it is. And if anybody knows about projecting weakness on the world stage, it's the guy who gave 
to fifty billion in cash assets to Iran. I'm talking about Barack Obama. Don't be thick, all right. I'm just saying it's a weak move, and it's the kind of incoherence that we continue to see on the world stage from the guy who's supposed to be in charge, but is clearly, clearly not running the show. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Let's start here. Okay, here is Biden saying he doesn't regret shooting it down sooner. Clip one. Do you regret not having insisted on bringing it down sooner? No, I think the expert, the intelligence community, the defense community, they forgot more about it than you or I know. I said I wanted to shut it down as soon as possible. And they were worried about the damage that could be done even in a big state like Montana. This thing was gigantic. What happened if it came down and hit a school in the rural area? What happened if it came down? So I told them as soon as they could shoot it down, shoot it down. They made a wise decision. They shot it down over water, recovering most of the parts. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. First and foremost, without splitting hairs, they could have shot it down over the Pacific Ocean. We didn't need it to get over the rural areas of the schools. But if you're going to mention the rural areas, Alaska and Montana are the most sparsely populated regions in America. There are very easy and effective ways to take it down sooner. They gave China more time. And understand, the reason I'm harping on this is because the world is a relatively, relatively manageable place. I'm not saying the world is a safe place. We are not living in a safe world. The world is teetering on the edge every second of the day. But one of the reasons we've managed to maintain order the last 75 years is because of something called peace through strength. America's might has been perceived as such on the world stage in a way that people realize they better not act up because it might upset America. This could be a problem. That's what they've always thought. When people see China fly a balloon into our international airspace and then let it linger for days before our president is even willing to acknowledge its presence in our country, and the only reason he does is because people saw it with their own naked eyes on their cell phones in Montana, at which point the press started talking about it and Biden got the memo. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I guess I got to admit it's a thing. So they admit it's a thing. Okay, three days after it got here and then allow it to fly over our most sensitive nuclear ballistic missile facilities across the country to the East Coast before they finally shoot it down. You gotta do better than that. I mean, it's embarrassing. You understand when it comes to peace through strength, okay, you're losing the ability to maintain such a thing when peace through strength becomes chaos through teleprompter. But that's what we're living in. We have the Pentagon flat out telling us last Friday I was sitting on the outnumbered couch covering it live. This is a major breach and violation of our international sovereignty. Well, here's Biden yesterday trying to downplay it, saying it's not a major breach. Clip two. Wasn't it a a major security breach for the United States? Just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace and flew over the country for so many days. No, look... (laughs) The total amount of uh, intelligence gatherings going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway, it's, it's not a major breach. I mean, look, it's totally, it's a violation of international law. It's our airspace. And once it comes in our airspace, we can do what we want with it. 
this is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. So he flat out says, no, it's, it's not a major breach of our airspace. Okay, it's a spy balloon flying over our most sensitive weapons. If that's not a breach of airspace, okay, then a breach of airspace doesn't exist, Joe Biden. You have no idea how to defend a nation. But you have to understand why I'm harping on this. I'm a guy who cares. Okay, it's not a political point. It's the world. Okay, it isn't about winning an election. This is about not fighting a war on our home soil because our enemies have emboldened to think we have leadership in Washington that's more concerned with the political cost than the human cost. Okay, when you project weakness on the world stage, it emboldens your enemies. Okay, we went to the Afghan war for 20 years, sacrificed countless amounts of blood and treasure because we didn't want a terror group to be have a breeding ground to exist. That was the goal. Now, understand the world knew that was the goal. We're going to Afghanistan in a post-9-11 world because we don't want it to become a breeding ground for terror groups. So you understand the world knows that's the goal. When you go there and then you flee 20 years later, taking out your troops ahead of your civilians in some instances, leaving behind $85 billion worth of weapons, and oh, by the way, a terror group is now in charge of the government, the world knows you didn't achieve your goal. Correct the mundo. I bring that up because Joe Biden famously got on TV after the botched Afghan troop withdrawal and demonstrated for the world to see that we were living in the death of shame. He told us it was the most successful airlift in the history of the world. He told us that other nations envied our ability to get out of there as efficiently as we did. You're alive. Okay, other nations, you understand, they don't take their cues from CNN and MSNBC. Who go like, that's great. Biden's doing awesome. No, he's really great at this. He's so good at presidenting. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. That's the truth. And other nations around the world see him projecting this weakness. It emboldens your enemies. So after the Afghan troop withdrawal, Okay, what immediately happened? What immediately happened? China encircled Taiwan. It's like, ah, we're taking over Taiwan. Russia invaded Ukraine. It's like, what are you going to do about it, you dopey sanctions? Putin's not worried about sanctions. You think they're sitting around the dinner table at the Putin house going, oh, we got sanctions. Guess we're going to have some TV dinners tonight, kids. No, they don't care. Sanctions affect the people. They don't affect the the dictator. Never, ever, ever. We've sanctioned Kim Jong-un to the moon and back. His family's been in power for 75 years. They're not going anywhere because it's an authoritarian government. The sanctions don't matter. That's pretend stuff. Okay, but understand, he emboldened our enemies on the world stage. Bill Maher, back in March of 22, flat out asked if Putin would have invaded Ukraine if Trump was president. And the reason I want to give him credit for asking this question is because the Democrats had always told us, what? well, Trump's in bed with Putin. It's Russian collusion. They're working together behind the scenes. It was made up by these sick people. And the reason you know that's true is, number one, you watch the Mueller probe go, come and go. But number two, if Trump was in Putin's pocket, wouldn't Putin have invaded when he had Trump in town to get over on? I think he's got a point. Here is Bill Maher raising that same point. It is clip seven. 
But I'm not sure I can follow Biden's logic all the way when he dragged January 6th into this. He said, look, how would you feel if you saw a crowd storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament, kill five cops, injure 145, or the German Bundestag or the Italian Parliament? I think you'd wonder. Okay, but if Putin thought Trump was really that supportive of him, why didn't he invade when Trump was in office? It's at least worth asking that question if you're not locked into one intransigent thought. Oh, wow! Think about that. If you're not locked into one intransigent political thought, you've got to step back and say, yeah, well, if Trump was in Putin's pocket, why did he wait for Trump to leave before he invaded? I mean, that is, that is a little weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. But Joe Biden... After the sanctions failed, Putin invaded Ukraine. What did he start doing? Oh, well, January 6th. They saw January 6th going on, and it emboldened them because it knew people stormed the camp. Shut up! Will you shut up? What that declared to the world is, again, this guy was more concerned with a political agenda than even a war itself. But don't worry that it happened under me. It only happened under me because of January 6th. I mean, everybody knows January 6th. I mean, garbage like you just makes me sick. Here's the thing. We don't have serious people in charge right now. Like they're serious about their political agenda, but they're not serious about leading the world. Here's your deputy secretary of state, deputy secretary of state, Wendy Sherman, on Capitol Hill, saying as all this plays out, we got to be careful not to further the increase of anti-American, anti-Asian hate crimes. We can't, have, we can't have anti-Asian hate crimes because we might go to war with China. Yeah, that should be the priority. Clip six. The final thing I would say is we all know that anti-Asian American hate has increased. And we have to be very careful as we put a spotlight on China that we not increase hate against Asian Americans. It has led, as we have all seen, to horrifying circumstances uh, in our country, and we need to make sure that doesn't happen as we, in fact, crack down on exactly the kind of things that you've outlined. Oh, shut up, woman. So forget about the espionage. Forget about the, the, the war that we could be on the brink of. Never mind that they're stealing a trillion dollars worth of our intellectual copyrights. Never mind that they're deploying slave labor in the Uyghur province of China. We've got to focus... On anti-Asian hate crime. Now, I want to be clear. Anti-Asian hate crime is an issue in major cities around the country. Why? Because black homeless people, white homeless people, junkies are attacking Asian people on subways. The media doesn't report it because 99% of anti-Asian hate crimes are conducted by black homeless people. People who have been failed by liberal leadership in big cities like New York and San Francisco. So are the crimes going up? Yes. Are Democrats talking about why? The answer would be no. But understand, in a moment where we're literally, as a governing body, discussing how we handle a major breach of our international sovereignty and the exposure of our nuclear weapons... To our number one geopolitical foe, we have a president and a deputy secretary of state shouting to the world stage that their political agenda is more important than the well-being of the rest of the country. I'm telling you because I care. These are not serious people. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just they're not respecting our country the way they used to. 
You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. The Super Bowl is going down this Sunday between the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a high holiday in the Fallon house. I grew up in a big, a big sports house. And uh, we've been having a Super Bowl party at my mom's house for as long as I can remember. Uh, The first Super Bowl I remember uh, was the Raiders, the Marcus Allen Raiders. They were playing in Los Angeles at the time, and they beat the Washington Redskins. It was first grade, and I bet my first grade teacher, Mrs. Shimenti, she was a Redskin fan. You can't even say Redskins. Any, but I can't even say this. Poor Mrs. Shimenti. She's canceled. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. But Mrs. Shimenti uh, was my first grade teacher, and she had bet me. Do you remember those tiny Super Bowl helmets that would come in gumball machines for a quarter? Well, she had bet me that if the Raiders won the game, uh, she would buy the entire team, the entire team, a little Raiders Super Bowl helmet, which is a big deal. And, of course, if the Raiders lost the game and the Redskins won, I was going to have to start doing my homework. That was the deal. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. It's the exact speech she gave me in first grade. But the point is the Raiders uh, not only won, not only got her uh, to buy everyone in the class A little helmet. But one of the first, like, girlfriends I had, I mean, they weren't dating in first grade. I mean, we were in first grade. We we weren't, like, going to dinner in a movie. We were just, you know, hanging out, smoking cigarettes in the back. I'm kidding. But the point is, uh, I won over a woman because the Raiders won the Super Bowl. I was a a forecaster. I had heat. I had clout. It was a big deal. And I had, like, a pretend first-grade girlfriend. Hubba, hubba. There you go. Uh, so the Super Bowl from that day forward always held a special place in my heart. My family always had big holidays, uh, you know, basically just a meal that was a hazing ritual in disguise uh, every year when the Super Bowl comes around. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Oh, on Super Bowl Sunday? Forget about it. Like, you know, you know that guy, the guy Fox has hired to stop me from eating food between TV hits? Oh, dude, he gets hazard pay on Super Bowl Sunday. But the point is, it's a, it's a great day. It's a great day to be an American. It's one of the final pieces of common culture we have. And we're going to be celebrating it all day long. Jared Max will be here. Uh, Rich Zioli will be in the house. Lincoln Fallow will be in the house. Mark Holton from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. But right now, the only guy in the house is the Fox guy who stops me from eating. Put that cookie down now! Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
I still haven't figured out what qualified him to become a transportation secretary. I still haven't even figured that out. Like Jimmy Fallon, as a former taxi driver, I believe has more experience and is, has higher qualifications to become a transportation secretary. <laughs> it is Fox Across America with the aforementioned Jimmy Fallon. Staff ambushed me with that clip. Is that Julie Banderas on Gutfeld last night? Is that what that was? Uh, just happened a few moments ago. Oh, on outnumbered? outnumbered? That was Julie Banderas. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Look at me. So I was on the Faulkner Focus a little while ago. I did see Julie Banderas in the green room. Uh, she was going on set to do Outnumbered. And apparently, I just got a shout out on a show I wasn't even on. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Our little movement taking over the world. Like, really? This is crazy. And this was not the plan. Like, I wanted to get a radio show, promote it, and have, like, a little bit of a TV life here around the building. Uh, and we accidentally, like, took over the whole channel. We're, like, everywhere. Uh, I want to get, like, a Gallagher, too. Do you remember how Gallagher had, like, a brother who dressed up as Gallagher and did half the hits? I need somebody uh, who's willing to let themselves go enough to have my physique. <laughs> if you're willing to dress like an overweight figure skater... And make silly comments about the news of the day. Uh, Fox News is hiring. You can come down and be my stun double. Uh, you probably snag a role in the Chris Farley biopic, too, while you're at it. Uh, but right now, I wanted to talk not about my presence on Fox News, but Joe Biden's lack thereof, because dig this. Fox is, of course, holding the Super Bowl this Sunday. Traditionally, the sitting president of the United States sits down for an interview with the host network. Okay, and this is a tradition that's gone back, man, oh boy, oh man, it's, it's gone back almost 20 years. It happened under George W. Bush, happened under Barack Obama, who managed to do it right here on Fox, even though he's not a very good president. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is, Joe Biden, so far as we know, is sending in the punt team. Now, CNN is reporting. CNN is reporting. Just preface this. CNN is the worst. But they're reporting uh, that Fox has not heard back from the White House in terms of whether or not Biden will do an interview. And to be clear, none of us expect him to because Joe Biden has done and by percentage. OK, he's done about 37 sit down interviews at this point in his presidency. Do you know how many Barack Obama had done to his credit? Two hundred and seventy seven. Now, understand, it was a friendly media. The wind was always blowing out. They weren't going to ask Obama tough questions. But the point is he was willing to get out there and run the risk that they might. Donald Trump, who was always being asked tough questions, had also done more than 200 hits at this point in his presidency. Biden has done 37 hits. OK, not very good. And one of the reasons he's doing a limited amount of interviews is because the White House press corps has no idea what's going to come out of his mouth. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? So it is very carefully curated in terms of his public appearances. They always want him on a prompter, and they definitely don't want him asking, answering tough questions because he frequently contradicts himself. Do you remember at the beginning of the Ukrainian war where he's like, well, you know, depends what kind of incursion happens in Ukraine. You know, if it's one thing, if it's just a minor incursion and everybody was like, wait, what? You can't say that. Well, if they just kind of invade the country, take over like a little bit, it's fine. That's the kind of stupidity that emboldens our enemies. Like I said, when Biden gets on the world stage and says, oh, China's spying with a balloon right over our nuclear sites, it's not a major breach. OK, understand it comes back to the movie Major League. OK, it is a major breach. They're flying and spying on your nuclear sites. 
Remember in the movie Major League, a guy hits a home run, and they have this funny scene when they're in the, they're in the bleachers and they're arguing. The one guy goes, ah, I was too high. The other guy goes, what do you mean it was too high? Well, the trajectory of the ball as it was crossing the lot was too high, and somebody else just pipes in and goes, hey, who gives a It's gone. Okay, that's Biden, to put it in Major League terms. Well, it's a too high. We're debating semantics. The point is they breached our airspace and our nuclear facilities. So if you're making the debate about what level of breach it was, just a bit outside, he tried the corner and missed. They can't let him speak for himself. That's the issue. They're in a bad spot in D.C. right now. So according to the latest polling, 22 percent, 22% of Americans want Joe Biden to run again for president. Biden sucks. Within his own party. Are you ready for the number? It's 37%. So this isn't just Republicans. 37% of Democrats want another round of Biden. Get him out of here. Get him out. Polling just below Biden is Kamala Harris. Now, Kamala, I was just covering this on the Faulkner Focus with Jillian Turner. Kamala Harris is also in a precarious spot because the print wing of the Democratic Party, it being the New York Times and the Washington Post, have both ran pieces in the past week talking about the fact that anonymous sources within the Democratic Party are contemplating whether or not to leave her on the ticket or take her off for 2024 because she has no political value whatsoever. She can only speak in word salad. Kamala Harris, the only woman in America who's polling behind Meghan Markle right now. Okay, and she's politically useless, which is why Kamala hasn't even touched the story where Jill Biden kissed her husband at the State of the Union. I'm not saying it was a makeout. It was just a juicy, gossipy story that Kamala wouldn't even weigh in on because she is walking on eggshells. Something that, oh, by the way, is very expensive to do under Joe Biden. Come on, man. Really, though. Eggshells ain't as cheap as they used to be. But the point being is Kamala, knowing that the political knives are out, is now using what remaining influence she has in D.C. media to get puff pieces written, not even about her, but about her husband. I want to read this to you really quick because this is how Washington works. So Politico, Politico has a piece out today. It's so funny. Okay, but these are the Harrises trying to figure out how they can give her any redeeming qualities whatsoever in the eyes of the American people. They've decided to make it about her husband. Okay, Politico publishing a puff piece on Second Gentleman Douglas Emhoff titled Why the Beltway Loves the Second Gentleman. I mean, you're not telling me the truth. Nobody cares about the second gentleman, but stick with me. Michael Schaefer. God, had to hurt his pride to do this. Not long ago, it may have confounded Washington to hear that a middle aged corporate lawyer, white guy, dad figure would be a breakout media star of the Biden administration. That was embarrassing. A breakout media star of the (laughs) Biden... Oh, my God. Stick with me. All right. Hold on a second. I got to say this with a straight face. So he says, uh, not long ago, it may have confounded Washington to hear that a middle-aged corporate lawyer, white guy, dad figure would be a breakout media star of the Biden administration, even as the Beltway smart set tisks tisks the barrier-breaking Veep's political chops, the subject of grim stories in the past two weeks in both the New York Times and the Washington Post. 
So what they're saying is, you know, people are a little down on Kamala, but they love Doug so much, guys. You don't understand. You can't handle the truth. Nobody cares about Doug. The piece includes a few gushing quotes about Imhoff from strategists and even VP Kamala Harris's former comms director. Oh, get out of here. So the woman who left, who got this piece written and published, was able to offer a flattering quote about the guy? I mean... Are you stupid or something? They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They're shameless. This is how D.C. works. When people are in trouble in D.C., okay, they'll go to their allies in the press and say, hey, can you write something nice? When people are trying to get something done in D.C., they'll go to the press. You know, whenever you see an article in D.C. about, well, you know, this person's run for president before. They didn't win. But oddly enough, there's a lot of talk within the party about this person running again if Biden drops out. Whenever you see one of those pieces, it was planted by the candidate themselves. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Straight up. Okay, so Kamala planted this piece. Just the way Hillary always plants those, like, Dick Morris pieces and stuff like that. Oh, he's got to run again. Okay. The author goes on to say, when Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent two buses of migrants to be dropped off in front of the home Emoff and Harris occupied, the second gentleman spoke out, calling it shameful, in an unscripted media interaction that came as news to the vice president's comm team. Oh, he's a rebel. Oh, my God. Shameful. Without a script in front of him. Who let Clint Eastwood into the room? My God. Oh, I can't even concentrate. I'm so turned on. <laughs> Watch Emhoff's media appearances, and it becomes clear that he's pretty good at this stuff. I don't mean policy or leadership, which he doesn't try to do. I mean the work of making audiences like you, which involves some combination of seeming loose and genuine and personable. <laughs> Woo! So this is what we're down to now. Well, what? Maybe. All right, they don't like Kamala. We get it. But maybe if they like the husband. We can get some votes for Kamala being on the ticket because maybe we'll send him out on the trail. You know how Jill leads Biden around by the hand? We'll have, you know, Doug. He'll be the ambassador to Kamala, so people vote for Kamala because of Doug. This is what we're down to right now. I got It is a scary time to be in America because these people are idiots. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like, it's a, it's a game changer. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to bring in this next guest. You know it is Super Bowl Friday on the show. It is the Super Bowl this Sunday. So joining us now is a superstar Fox reporter and the only man I've ever seen in person in a Tommy Kramer Vikings jersey. Yes, Jared Max is here in the house. I I, I got to be honest with you. I, I have not. This is my you say you never forget your first. You never forget your first Tommy Kramer jersey. I love that the Super Bowl is here. And you retreat to your neutral team corner. Is that what you're telling me? Here in our Fox radio newsroom, we basically had it. I think last year we did this, too. Everybody wore a football jersey. Uh Uh, Not everybody, but some. And so we get a a, a nice little mix. I see a powder blue Chargers jersey, some Giants and Jets because we're in New York. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, one Vikings jersey and two-minute Tommy Kramer back in the day. You know, he was you he gotta, was leading my team to. Uh, oh, I've never I've never seen my team in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, Matt, uh, Tecmo Bowl. They had a good run in the '80s in Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, if you, yeah. If, yeah, if the was, other team wasn't using Bo Jackson, you might have won a Super Bowl in Tecmo Bowl. I know what Bo don't know. <laughs> Jared Max is here, so let's talk really quick at a superficial level. Last night, Kennedy asked me. 
who the worst fans in football were because, of course, there's this connotation surrounding Eagles fans. But I put Eagles fans at a nine on a scale of one to Boston. Do Eagles fans get a bad rap? I may have been wearing this exact Tommy Kramer jersey as a teenager at the old veteran stadium with my father. We went, he took me to see a Vikings Eagles <laughs> game. Yeah, no I'm joke, listen, Jimmy. I'm listening. I was assaulted. You are right. They were throwing all of a sudden. I, what the, <laughs> they threw ice in my head because yes, I was dressed in purple. <laughs> So there's no love. I have so my I have so my favorite friends are from Philadelphia. <laughs> I love Philly people. I love Philadelphia. Yeah, me too. And we're on but, the radio there, but they are a passionate bunch. But yeah, they're a passionate bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're a Philadelphia sports fan, I would guess by and large you probably think those are the worst fans. <laughs> I mean, not the worst of the worst, but just I want nothing to do with them. When the Yankees played the Phillies in the World Series in '09, oh, yeah, that another one I remember yeah. being at. Thinking, my, like, my brother Mike was there in a Yankee jersey with me. Um, and I remember him, and I was a cab driver in New York City, so I had heard some swear phrases before, but I remember three originals I had never heard hurled at my brother from old women, (laughs) grown women cursing us out. So they are passionate. And uh, Did they use one of those words that LeBron said at the the crowd the other night? (laughs) Jared Max is here. Uh, I do see the Super Bowl. It's also a time of nostalgia. You know how when the holidays come, you think back to old holidays? You haven't won a Super Bowl as a Vikings fan, but do you have a favorite Super Bowl? Favorite Super Bowl? Uh, I've worked a lot of Super Bowls. Yes, you have. I think one of my favorites was I'm not a Giants fan, but to have been at that Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. I just showed you a photo from that was before when – Back when, back when real rock and rollers were playing the halftime show and got to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and the and the Giants came back and won that game against the Patriots. That yep. was a pretty special game, unexpected for so many years. Jimmy, as you and I were growing up, the Super Bowl stunk. Yeah, the game was an blowout. absolute blowout. Yeah, it was somebody would beat the Redskins, and then when the Redskins, excuse me, and then they'd beat the Bills, is what I meant. The Bills got blown out. The team formerly known as the Redskins. Yeah, the Commanders. <laughs> Jared Max is in studio. We're talking Super Bowls. He's probably pound for pound the biggest Rihanna fan I know. So let's talk halftime for a minute. Jared, are you going to yell, you kids get off my lawn when Rihanna comes on? Because he came in a little cranky. He wants rock and roll in the halftime show. I he, do. You know, look at the, the history. You know, you see you 2 Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. For the majority in recent years. Yeah. The halftime shows, I've, I, I've been at the game and actually walked out of them because I don't know any of the music and, okay. and it's not my thing. That's yeah, fine. They uh-huh. wanted the biggest audience possible, so attract something yeah. of, of an audience maybe that isn't going to watch the game, but will tune in for that. Well, I think that's the hook of the Super Bowl, and one of the reasons I love it so much is obviously you and I are huge football fans, but it is the one football game that non-sports fans watch yes. because of the pop culture and the commercials. And the, and the commercials. You know? I, I, and I don't like seeing the commercial, the previews before. I'd yeah, me neither. Just, why ruin it? And you know what I'm always amazed at is whenever the article comes out Monday morning of these were the best commercials, oftentimes they're not. And somebody who saw the previews wrote the article like today so they wouldn't have to do it Monday morning because I've always failed by those lists. I'm always reading. I'm like, wait, where's the one with the the monkey on the skateboard? (laughs) It's not in here. What do you mean? So we're talking to Jared Max about the Super Bowl. Um, is it agreed upon? I know halftime shows are a delicate spot for you. Is it agreed upon uh, in Max World that Whitney Houston sang the best national anthem, though? Could yes. I at least get that out of you? Yes. Okay, and that was a giant Super that, Bowl. That was a fantastic anthem. I'm, I'm looking forward. Chris Stapleton is yes. going to be doing uh, the anthem. He's going to bring the heat. And what do you think of Phoenix as a host city? Uh, I mean, I, I haven't spent enough time. It's warm. Wow. He's got a future in politics. Yeah, I mean, clearly. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
if you ask, let me ask you, Jimmy, why don't you go ask a bunch of people from Phoenix? Uh-huh. How is, tell, tell me about your time at the New Jersey Super Bowl. <laughs> See, <laughs> well, I'm a Garden State guy. I, so, know. You know, I know. Well, my favorite thing about the New Jersey, you're the first person who correctly referred to it as a New Jersey Super Bowl. Oh, you Super mean Bowl. the NY slash NJ Super Bowl? Yeah, a lot of people were sold a bag of goods on that Super Bowl. And you know what the best part about that game was? Not the, f- the fact that it was the most cartoonishly bad Super Bowl that ended on the first snap of the game when yes. the ball went over Peyton Manning's head. It's that it was like the coldest week in the history of New York, but the game time temperature was like 44 degrees. Do you remember that? They, and, fro- and they it, froze the whole Super Bowl village out for a week. And do you remember the next day, yeah. the massive storm hit, and everybody <laughs> said, imagine this were the day before we could have had yeah. this, this snowy um, Super Bowl. You know, hey, Jimmy, you know, so I yeah. caught there, there, I've seen all this cool polling information yeah, give it to me. this week. A couple, couple of nuggets that caught my eye. Uh, the uh, There was a question about who's the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the, and this was among NFL fans. And clearly the GOAT, Tom Brady, was was listed at the top 43%. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is behind Tom Brady? It should be Montana. Correct. Okay. He was second at 11%. Okay. And I like the next choice as well. Ooh. Best NFL quarterback of all time? Yes. Do Tom they, Brady first, 43%. Do they say Elway? Elway is, he's about eighth on the list. Okay. Well, I'm assuming they won, unless it's the Marino Ace Ventura vote getting Omaha! us in trouble. Omaha! Omaha! Oh, no, Peyton Manning's fair. Give it to me. We're a minute out from the Manning break. and then Mahomes, Bradshaw, Namath. Uh, Trafalgar okay. Group did a nationwide survey. <laughs> I don't know. You know yeah, the, yeah. The, I know Trafalgar Station, I think, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Nonetheless, they're asking, should the Super Bowl, events like the Super Bowl, include political or cultural statements as part of the game and coverage or just focus on the game? Mm-hmm. And by and large, everyone says, just show me the game. Thank you. Just show me the game. And that includes 77% of Democrats who say, show me the game. 93% of Republicans. Wow. Not many want to see the political statements in there. Thank you. Shut up and play ball. Jared Max has spoken. Enjoy the game. Happy Super Bowl, Tommy Kramer. Hey, thank you, man. This was a big deal. (laughs) We got a Tommy Kramer sighting. That's amazing. I hope Tommy's listening. Anyone (laughs) listening in the land of 10,000 lakes, let them know. Yeah, they don't get a lot of this. You're the best, Jared Max. Thank you, Jimmy. You're the best. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, well, well, well. Look who is back in action for a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We are stacking the deck. It is Super Bowl Friday. As we count down to Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have Philadelphia radio legend Rich Zioli stop by to give us the over-under on toppled light poles in the city of Philadelphia when the Eagles fans riot at the end of the game. There's also a riot going on in Congress right now as it pertains to these oversight hearings. And Representative Wesley Hunt from the great state of Texas is going to stop by in this hour as well. There's a Lincoln Fela sighting coming later on in the show. And we will, of course, hear from Mark Holton, who was Francis in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, one of my all-time favorite movies, is going to be joining us as well. 888-788-9910 if you want to be the opening act for any of these fine people. Uh, There are no rules. Just behave. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. Period. Okay? You can be anything you want to be on the show. It's a talk show. Dang it. Not an activist. I'm a talk show. I just hang out. I talk about the news. I give you my opinion. Some of them are right. You know, some of them are silly. It doesn't matter. matter. That's the point. Okay? It's life. You're in the fun business. You're not in the get mad about politics all day business. You're in the fun business. If you die tomorrow, you're not going to wish you spent five more minutes being like these freaking liberals, bro. 
Well, these Republicans are out of control, bro. No, you're just going to wish you had a good time. You know what I'm saying? It's all you're supposed to be doing in life. Get paid and get laid. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. So stick with me, though, because now we're getting a little carried away, getting a little risque. It's Friday, okay? Donald Trump, who is the only declared Republican in the race right now, uh, is picking a fight with Rihanna, who happens to be the the Super Bowl halftime act. And it's silly stuff. Uh but I want to bring this up because it comes at a time where there's a back-channel battle taking place not only for donors and party influence, but voters. Because Trump is very actively campaigning right now against Ron DeSantis, who hasn't even gotten into the race. And I'll explain why this is significant in the meantime, but here it is. So Ronnie Jackson, who comes on this show a lot, is a former White House physician. He got lots of commendations under Barack Obama and under Donald Trump. He is now a congressman from the great state of Texas. And Ronnie Jackson is very protective of Trump. Like, I like Ronnie Jackson. He's great on the show. But when he starts talking about Trump, it's, you know, sometimes he's just reading me the back of the VHS from the movie Superman. He's like, Jimmy, you don't understand. Donald Trump outran a train. He was a writer at the Daily Planet. Whenever there's a crime, he just disappears, comes back, it's solved. Jimmy, you ain't never seen nothing like this. And I love Ronnie, so don't think I'm disparaging the man. But he's very protective of Trump. So Ronnie Jackson yesterday weighs into the Super Bowl out of nowhere and tweets, Rihanna spray-painted F. Donald Trump on a car at the Cadillac Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. She's made a career of spewing degenerate filth while bad-mouthing America every chance she gets. Why is the NFL showcasing this crap? Rihanna should not be the halftime reporter. He posted the same thing on Truth Social, at which point Trump responded by staying without her stylist, She'd be nothing. Bad everything and no talent. <laughs> it is funny to me that he does stuff like this. But I'm telling you, this is a detriment to his mission to get back in the White House. Okay, I, you don't have to be a Rihanna fan. I don't like listen to all of her songs. But this is the kind of sideshow crap that has nothing to do with deliverables. Like when you look at the country, you understand. Biden screwed up the border. Biden has screwed up the economy. Crime is through the roof. China's now flying over our nuclear facilities, and Biden's telling the world it's no big deal. I mean, that's a... You gotta do better than that. I mean, but that's what we're dealing with. So there's a real opening here for somebody who can keep the ball over the plate to win this thing back from the Democrats and get the country going in the right direction. When Trump starts getting into sideshow fights with pop stars, who cares? It's the Super Bowl halftime show. And you're not going to win this battle. People are thrilled that Brianna is doing the halftime show. Has she said stupid stuff? Absolutely. I'm not a, you know, a huge Rihanna fan. But the woman has 14 number one hits. She's popular. There's 130 million people watching the Super Bowl. None of them are mad about Rihanna. This is an unforced error. That's exactly what it is when you start going after Rihanna, okay? And she has said she hates Trump in the past, and Trump has trashed Rihanna in the past. But understand, as Trump is getting into this sideshow fight, okay, tons and tons of super PAC money are flying over to Ron DeSantis. Why are they flying over to Ron DeSantis? Because they're helping to build the infrastructure, recruit the volunteers, get the campaign workers, the media presence that they're going to need for him to launch his campaign. What DeSantis is doing 
It's a measure twice, cut once approach. He is not launching a campaign until they have every single thing in place ready to go. Why? Because he wants to make the focus of his campaign his record. Okay, Trump launched a week after the midterms because we all thought Biden was going to get smoked, lose the House, lose the Senate. He could jump right in and say, look, everybody, I endorsed one. But the truth is his biggest endorsements didn't win, unfortunately. Like John Fetterman, uh, prayers to him and his family. I wish John Fetterman no ill will. But we had a guy in Pennsylvania who literally needed a doctor, and he beat a doctor in Dr. Oz that Trump had endorsed. Okay, the Trump seal of approval in swing districts is useless. It's great in districts that are going to vote 99.9% Republican. So don't get me wrong. Trump had a lot of endorsements win. But in the key areas where he needed them to get over the top, they didn't. the party didn't win. Now, I'm not saying it's all Trump's fault because the candidates have to run this race. And I met Dr. Oz, and he was very underwhelming. So, again, I am not telling you it's a Trump thing. But the point is, okay, Trump got right into the race so he could start, you know, mouthing off and holding events here and there. But they didn't do the fundamental thing they need to do, which is build out a coherent campaign message that was going to focus on the issues that are really affecting Americans. Understand this right now. The country is suffering, dude. The country is suffering. You might be okay. You might not be okay. 65% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 71% of Americans think the country's headed in the wrong direction. Biden sucks. It's terrible. So when you get dragged into it's the Super Bowl, the one thing that is still common culture in this country, the Super Bowl gets 130 million viewers. It's the only thing left in America that both parties agree on. We don't all watch the Oscars anymore. Okay, conservatives watch the Oscars the morning after because we go on TV and make fun of whatever the stupidest, most outlandish tirade was about the government or America being racist or anything in between. The Oscars has become America's best dressed group therapy session. That's what it is now. Wasn't always that way. The Oscars used to be an apolitical event where the most gorgeous people in the world put on $10,000 gowns, snorted season two of Narcos worth of cocaine. And then after they got to their trophies, they went back home and they all slept with each other. I love it when you talk dirty. That's what the Oscars was. The Oscars used to be a celebration of the fact that these people had hit the genetic lottery. Hollywood's ruining a good thing. Don't don't forget, as, as recently as 2003, seems a long way time ago now, but imagine that Michael Moore in 2003 bashed then-Republican President George W. Bush. And Michael Moore got booed by everyone in the room. Don't ever forget. That's who Hollywood was 20 years ago. 20 years ago at the Oscars, if you bashed a Republican president, you were getting booed. Now, you're getting booed if you don't bash the Republican president. <laughs> like, if it's not in your speech, you don't thank God or the producers. The again, you got to start with, we're all under attack. <laughs> Nobody has any rights. We're all oppressed. Women are oppressed, said the woman making $30 million to pretend she's a superhero. You don't understand. It's bad. We're oppressed in this country. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. But the point is because the Hollywood Oscar thing isn't common culture anymore, because the Grammys aren't common culture anymore, because a lot of TV isn't common culture anymore. Late night television used to be common culture. You just turned it on to laugh at the news of the day. He didn't care about your political allegiances. Late night TV slammed Democrats in the 90s. Bill Clinton was in office. 
Guy, we had a president of the United States using interns as a humidor. This is not okay. No, it's not. But we had a lot of fun with it in late night. They didn't go, well, he's a... He's a Democrat, so he's off limits. Think about right now. For Joe Biden and late night comedy, there has never been a more fertile terrain in the world than the Biden presidency. Literally everything that comes out of his mouth is a mockable soundbite. Here he is before talking about how he doesn't understand who the president is. Do, oh, do we have that one? Oh, God, it's froze. Don't one second. I'll play it. You have to hear this. This is so delightful. It's Biden was being asked about being president. And we just froze the cart. It happens. Live radio. I tell Every you Every time much. I hear the president of the United States look around and say, where the hell is he? <laughs> Every time someone I hear someone say the president of the United States, I turn around and say, where is he? We have a president that is clearly not all there. Now, he's half joking, but understand every single day you get a dopey quote. Half the women in my administration are women. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> There's always something bizarre, but late night comics aren't going after it. They're still yelling and screaming about Trump. Ergo, they've alienated half the country because they're not being objective in their approach to comedy. Late night comedy has become activism masquerading as comedy. So there is no common culture. But the bigger point I'm trying to make is the Super Bowl, literally the last bastion of common culture we have. It's the last mega event on TV that the whole country watches. And when you wade into the halftime show with Rihanna's trash, good thing she's got a makeup team, you kind of drag the conversation into this pocket of disgusting. Where this polling out, we were reading it in the last hour, 84% of Americans, this goes across both parties, want the Super Bowl to completely avoid politics whatsoever. Okay, that's how 84% of voters feel. And we've got a guy wading into the halftime show to make it about himself. I'm telling you, it's an unforced error. Doesn't help inflation, doesn't help the border, doesn't help you win any votes with people on the other side of the aisle. You're now picking a fight with a woman who has 14 number one hits. This is why all the money in the world is flowing to DeSantis. I'm not telling you he's going to win. I'm not telling you he's the better guy. I'm not telling you I won't vote for the Republican nominee no matter who it is. I'm just telling you that I get paid to be honest with you. That's my job. That's my goal. And I want you to understand you're not being honest with yourself. If you think Trump is helping himself when he picks these sideshow fights. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to the show that Standard and Poor describes as Standard and Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. Not only a radio legend on WPHT in Philadelphia, a show that carries us on the weekends, but a man who could be hosting this very show uh, in the month of March during one of my travel days. We're talking about the lovely and talented Rich Zioli. Hey, girl. You know, you are my spirit animal, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> That's kinky. That's kinky. Happy <laughs> Happy Super Bowl, pal. Are you guys, uh, is Philadelphia fired up? 
I can tell you that actually now Go Birds has become a greeting. Like people pass each other on the streets. I'm not exaggerating. And they just look at each other and go, Go Birds, Go Birds. <laughs> Nobody says hello or goodbye anymore. It's great. Everybody is so fired up. And you know what, Jimmy? We need this because Philadelphia has had a bit of a rough go. So we really need this right now. <laughs> no, I do know what you're talking about. We were going to take Lincoln to Philly this summer to see the Liberty Bell. We did decide to go to Beirut instead. We're like a little safer. <laughs> Little, little, little safer. Well, they don't carjack down there, so you're fine. Yeah, it's not so bad. But isn't it amazing? I wanted to speak to that, how civic unity really is a thing. You know, when you got a team in a big game, it does become a big thing. And you know what it reminds me of in New York, sadly? So we've had teams win championships. But in the post-9-11 world, there was like a three-week window, Zioli, where everybody had an American flag on the antenna of their car, and people let each other merge, and people were polite in traffic, and it was all <laughs> USA. And then by about... October 10th, 2001, we were throwing bottles of pee at each other on the Van Wick again. But, but we had a window. Exactly. Yeah. It went from waving at people in and giving the middle finger and saying, do not even think about it. I'll slash your tires. <laughs> Get out of here. That's the way it is in Philly, too, right? Everybody's so excited for each other. They're nice to each other. They're polite. But by, but by Monday morning when everybody's hungover and tired and they have to take their kids to school and go to work, uh, which, by the way, is going to be a very unproductive day in the city of Philadelphia and the surrounding communities. Uh, I think we'll be back to being a little bit nasty with each other. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, that's what I'm hoping for. Because the one thing, Philadelphia fans are known for their passion. I respect this passion uh, because I grew up in an era where the Yankee fan had this same passion. You know, Yankee, Yankee Stadium used to be a place where you'd get hit by a beer or if you wore an away jersey, you'd get punched in the throat. And, and I liked that about sports. I don't think you should feel comfortable digging into the batter's box as the away team. And I feel like <laughs> Philly fans get a bad rap, and I don't think it's because they got bad. I think it's because the rest of the country went soft. What do you think of that? I think you're exactly right. You know, former Governor Ed Rendell, a Democrat, said we are a nation of wussies. And he would sit there in the snow at Eagles games and complain that there weren't more fans there. Football's a tough game, and it's supposed to be a tough game, and that's what makes it interesting. But you're right. There's a coddling of America right now, and that coddling says, well, you know, you don't have to worry about things. And it gets down to, like, like oh, I don't like traffic. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to leave the game early. The yeah. Philly fans don't do that. The Eagles fans are there. Jimmy, Jimmy Fella, as we speak right now, uh-huh. they are greasing the poles in <laughs> Philadelphia so that people can't climb them. That's what I I give you for my example of pride, my friend. <laughs> Do they put like boxing headgear on the police horses? <laughs> We actually have the horses go after the crowd. I don't mean chase them. I mean literally go and stomp them. <laughs> it's a tough town, I tell you. Oh, Rich Zioli is on the line. You can listen to him every day on the legendary WPHT out in Philadelphia. Uh, throw this one at me. One quick serious thing. Okay, it drove me so crazy this week during the State of the Union when Biden did that race-baiting thing. You probably saw me tweet about it on Twitter where he claimed that as a white parent, he didn't have to have the talk with his kids about respecting the cops. Um, first and foremost, did you have that talk uh, with your parents about respecting the cops when you were a kid? Absolutely. My dad was a cop, and we absolutely had that conversation. And he told us, you get pulled over, you turn on the interior lights, mm-hmm. and you put your hands on the steering wheel where the officer can see it, and you follow his instructions, and you treat him with respect. My dad even said to me, there's no constitution on the side of the road when you get pulled over. Wow. You do what the cop tells you. Of course we had that conversation. Biden's yeah. ridiculous to think that the, the very sound advice of turning on the interior cabin light and putting your hands where the officer can see them, that that only applies to 
to, to black people. Yeah, I know, because first of all, they are shooting more white people than anything. But the point is, a lot of these situations go sideways, not because they're showing up and killing people for sport, but because when you disrespect and get into a violent altercation with a cop, you have exacerbated the situation in a way in which your odds of surviving go from 100 percent to something less than that. And I just think it's like so reckless because they're obviously doing it for the political points and the race baiting. But if you're a decent parent listening to this conversation right now, if you avoided this conversation with your kids about respecting the cops, you're just a terrible parent. You are. And you know what, Jimmy? We had a police officer who was shot two days ago in Philadelphia. He survived, thank God. His bulletproof vest saved him from the one bullet. The other bullet went to his abdomen. And it was a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. Cops know when they go to the car, they have no idea what they're going to expect. They have no idea who could be behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was a guy with a gun who fired on the cops. Holy they hell. have to think about that fear every time they approach a vehicle. So yeah. every parent should tell their kids when they get their license what the mind of the cop is thank when it comes you. to the car thank you. pulls you over. And I'm only jumping in the flavor flavor your truck d because we're out of time zioli good luck sunday man Fela, love you so glad you're on wphc man the audience loves you oh there it is fox across america with jimmy Fela. They're playing Give Me All Your Lovin' by ZZ Top. But if they knew anything about this next guest, they'd be playing Sharp Dressed Man. He is a superstar representative from the 38th District of Texas. We're talking about Representative Wesley Hunt in the house. Yo, yo, yo. How are you doing, sir? Happy to be on as always, brother. Thank you as always. Oh, come on, Wes. Uh, Are you slightly offended that they didn't bring you on to Sharp Dressed Man? Slightly, but you know I'll be on again next time, so y'all can make it up. I'm Ooh, not worried about that. Whoa! Uh, I, well, I, I will say this to you. I don't know. I don't know who this comms person is that keeps booking you on this show, but it can't reflect favorably on them when their review comes up. This is crazy, Wesley. <laughs> you deserve better. You're a rising star. And you're hanging out with us, dirtbags. Come, don't you care about this career? You just got there. I kid. No, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Oh, this is like my favorite show to be on. Get out of here, man. Oh, Wesley. Well, listen, you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you read it Don't just the, you read it just the way I wrote it down for you. So thanks. I'll give you the twenty <laughs> bucks later. Give give it right to you. Fun week in Washington. Let's talk about this as somebody who has a military background. Um, We're talking about the Chinese spy balloon. I saw an interview with Biden yesterday where he said it wasn't a major breach, which is kind of a contradiction of what we heard from the Pentagon last week. But bigger than that is the message he's sending to the world, which is he's basically trying to downplay this because he's more concerned about his political fortunes. Do you think on some on some level we're emboldening enemies by projecting the weakness that we are? Of course, of course you are, and that was a that was a complete disaster. And the only reason why they even admitted to it is because they got caught. And God knows how many Chinese spy balloons have flown across this great nation and our sovereign airspace. This administration has done absolutely nothing about it to stop it. And all it does is it really emboldens China, and it puts Taiwan at risk. It continues to add stress on our European allies because we are projecting nothing but weakness. And I think over time we're going to find out, especially for, especially over the course of the next two years. 
years is that it's going to permeate in kind of everything that we do. We're not going to be taken seriously. Anytime we draw a red line, it's not really a red line. It's more like a fuchsia line because they know that, that it can always be crossed. And so over the course of the next two years, especially with me being on judiciary and, and with the investigations that we're going to have and our ability to hold this administration accountable for their weakness, we have got to show the American people that a change has to happen in two years or else it's going to become a real issue of national security. Yep, there's that. We're talking to Wesley Hunt from the great state of Texas. And that's the problem that, you know, for real, man, you know, the whole peace through strength mantra. You can't really, you can't really achieve peace through strength when you have chaos through teleprompter. But that's what we have right now. And I think, you know, a lot of people are rightfully concerned. But let's talk something else, too, because we have all these hearings going on and everything in between this week with documents and Hunter Biden and the border. As a Texan, I always defer to the border. We're on a lot of great stations down in Texas. Um, Are they starting to get it on the border or are we still just getting political lip service at the State of the Union when he talks about fentanyl? No, I think we're finally starting to get it because he's even talking about it period. Okay. And he's even throwing our current vice, vice president, Kamala Harris, the borders are under the bus. They're actually already trying to find her replacement as we speak. And that's actually an omission of, of a complete failure and derelict of duty at our southern border. The number one responsibility for, for our federal government is to keep our citizens safe. Number one, Jimmy, that's, that's, that's what we go to Washington and do every single day. And if you're telling me that we lost 100,000 people due to fentanyl overdose just last year, Enough fentanyl has poured into our country to kill every American five times. And the only thing the Democrats have to say is, well, um, that's racist. And and it's racist uh, because we are targeting brown people. That's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with race. We have to stop making race a scapegoat for everything and realize that we have a problem at our southern border that's killing Americans. And fentanyl does not care what race, religion, color, or creed is. And me being a black man on judiciary, I'm going to hold them accountable for that and to stop allowing them to use race as a scapegoat for everything. And we have got to start saving American lives yesterday. Thank you. Wesley Hunt telling it like it is. That's the illusion of the whole thing. You know, there was it was such a race bait. I I tweeted about this earlier and I kind of lost my mind. You know, I grew up in a law enforcement family. Everyone in my family is a cop. But me, I would have been a cop if it weren't for this thing called the background check. Uh, once I heard right. about that, you know, Wes, Wes, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, probably not going to work out. Yeah, no Congress for you, huh? Yeah, maybe if I, yeah, maybe exactly. I can't pass a background check. I should probably run for Congress instead. Much easier. You know what? I want to say something, and I'm not. No, no, no you leave, you leave Santos out of this, young man. We've got a show to do. We've, we've got a show to do. Now you hold on. Now, every one of everyone in my family, when we got our learner's permit. We're told to be respectful to cops. So Biden was absolutely lying and race baiting the country when he said he never had to have the talk with his kids about how to behave around the cops. Like he might not have did that. But to me, that's an admission of bad parenting because a basic respect for law and order. It's that this is not a blanket assumption that there's no such thing as bad cops because we all have very recent proof that there are. But this idea that we shouldn't be teaching a basic respect of law and order, regardless of what color your kids happen to be, I think is like a suicide mission to score political points. 
any time those lights get flashed behind you, I guarantee you every single American, when they see those, those, those lights flash, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting pulled over. And you kind of get worried about, about what can happen next, regardless of what you look like. And my father and your father are very smart people, very smart men. You have respect for those that wear the uniform every single day. Quite frankly, the policing in our country is superb. If you think about the millions of interactions that our law enforcement has with the everyday citizen every day, ranging from a cat in a tree to a routine traffic stop to an all-out gang war, I am absolutely impressed with how well the overwhelmingly amount of them go. It's not even close. Yes, we have some bad apples, and we've got to root them out. But in Houston, Texas, when you see our police force, it's extremely diverse. Black people, white people, Hispanic people, they are all people that want to literally protect and serve. we got to find the bad ones, but I can assure you that everything being about race and every cop being racist is an all-out lie. The issue is we do a very good job with policing in this country, considering we have 350 million people in this country. It's the third largest country in the entire world. And the fact that we are talking about a handful of bad apples, quite frankly, is a testament to how well we're doing. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop and, 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 and smell the roses sometimes to find the bad guys and find the bad cops and get them out the way. But we also shouldn't throw the baby out with the, with the uh, bathwater. Thank you. Thank our law enforcement officers every single day for what they do. Amen. The, the, the studio audience right now is is cheering and screaming the crowd has gone wild someone someone just released doves you should have been here to see it it was it was incredible i've I've never seen anything like it talking to wesley hunt republican congressman from the 38th congressional district of texas uh let me throw this at you while you have a minute uh we do have a super bowl on sunday you're a texan uh patrick mahomes is a texan does that mean by law you have to root for the chiefs are you throwing your money behind the eagles where where is wesley hunt going sunday i mean you nailed it Absolutely. By law, I mean, it's yeah. Texas all day. It's Texas versus everybody at the end of the day. <laughs> do, you know the deal. Do you guys so close ranks? You do, you, do, you do close ranks? Because New Yorkers used to do that. They don't do it anymore. Like when, if oh, do, Texas? It, yeah. You guys I, mean, do, I mean, come on, Jimmy. There's only two free states left, Texas and Florida. we got to close ranks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. we got you and that's it. You're our last line of defense. It's Texas, Texas and Florida. That's it. Texas and Florida is crazy. Let me ask you this, okay? If the if the Hunt House is having a Super Bowl party, guy wrote an op-ed for Fox News today uh, about Chick Fil A. Just came out with a vegan Chick Fil A. It's a cauliflower sandwich. Do would you serve cauliflower Chick Fil A sandwiches at the at the Hunt Super Bowl party? I said I am from Texas. <laughs> I am a combat. Apache pilot. There's 60 years. My sister went to West Point. My brother went to West Point. I went to West Point. I can assure you, we are not eating a cauliflower sandwich in the Hunt House. <laughs> USA, baby. That's what's up. You no. know. You know what I said? Chick Fil A can serve this sandwich on Sundays. You know when. <laughs> when they're closed. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you, Wesley, Wesley Hunt. You get it. Well, good luck to Patrick Mahomes and the in the entire state of Texas. We'll be rooting for you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Anytime, brother. Thank you. My man. Have a great day. There he goes. The great Wesley Hunt from the great state of Texas. They close ranks. If you're listening on KTBB down in Tyler, Texas, you're like a few feet away from where Patrick Mahomes went to high school. I mean, it's a big day. Close rank. You're supposed to do that. I, I tell you all the time, one of my biggest disappointments, I didn't even grow up as a Trump fan. I did not. I absolutely did not. I loved him as a boxing promoter. 
because he presided over Tyson Spinks down in Atlantic City. Loved it. And I used to get a kick out of his interviews because he'd be like, a woman would ask him a question and he'd just be like, you're ugly. He'd be like, whoa, oh, my God, it was crazy. He was always crass. But I didn't like watch Celebrity Apprentice. I wasn't like a big Trump guy, but I grew up in New York at a time when New York really had an identity. We were, in fact, this weird patchwork quilt of insanity, but we did stick together. If Donald Trump ran for president in the 80s, New Yorkers would have got behind him. If Donald Trump ran for president in the 90s, New Yorkers would have got behind him. He was on the Howard Stern show every other day. You tell me they would have abandoned him when he was still a part of the fold? It was because he became a Republican that everybody bailed on him. And it always it bothered me as a New Yorker. Because we should do what we did with the Yankees. Do you know how many times as Yankee fans we acquired players that we hated as Yankee fans? I mean, you think about it. Our arch nemesis is the Boston Red Sox in the eight, our whole lives. Okay, the best Red Sox in the 80s were Roger Clemens and Wade Boggs. Well, one day we all got out of bed and Roger Clemens and Wade Boggs were on the Yankees. Okay, we didn't stop rooting for the Yankees. They're the Yankees. What are you talking about? So we learned to begrudgingly like Roger Clemens and Wade Boggs and ultimately appreciated their contributions to multiple world championships. It was a big win to have them. But understand, New York didn't do that. Like, we stopped rooting for New York. We're like, ah, oh, this place is the worst. We must be systemically racist to even produce a guy like Donald Trump. He's not one of us, said all the people living in buildings that literally had the Trump name on them. That's the fraud of liberal politics. Don't ever forget, when Donald Trump became president, his name was on more than two dozen buildings in the tri-state area. And the people who lived in them, who had no problem moving in, the minute he won the presidency, were like, we've signed a petition to get his name off the building. That's just how white folks will do you. Yes, but it's also insanity. Because they're not even listening to how emotionally transactional they are. You moved your family into a building with the man's name on the building. Like, imagine me, Jenny, and Lincoln go home at night and do whatever the hell we do. Oh, it is a fun house. But if we had the name Trump on the roof of the house, and then one day we were like, we don't like this guy. We never like this guy. What do you mean? Like, I feel like it would have came up at some point between then and now. Okay, but they didn't think that way. Everything is a branding exercise. Everything is in this day and age, so emotionally transactional. I don't like this guy who had the number one show on TV for 14 years. Like, when NBC starts calling Donald Trump Hitler, I'm like, dude, you gave him a TV show for 14 years. Doesn't that make you Goebbels? Like, what am I missing here? This is crazy. But this is the world we're living in, where people have no self-awareness, and they're willing to abandon all principle because of it because they don't realize how insane it looks on them. Wesley Hunt gets so much credit for saying to me he is a Texan and he's not eating cauliflower Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it means a lot to me. You got to stand for something. Okay? And I'm tell- I have an op-ed. It's on foxnews.com. It came out a minute ago. They messaged me last night. I had an op-ed yesterday. It was about Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! <laughs> And a lot of the things I write on the Fox News website do really well because I'm, I'm, you know, like I say all the time, if you like reading at a third grade level, you're going to like my writing. OK, it's very easy to read. It's silly. And I give you some take on the news and they do well. So the Kamala piece did so well yesterday. They messaged me last night when I was on Hannity. Hey, do you want to write about this Chick-fil-A story? This is a ridiculous product. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is so silly to me. 
And as I sat down uh, and started reading the article, I was like, man, this is a dumb story. But then I realized it was an important story. I really, I, I honestly, I did because everybody in this day and age is trying to accommodate everybody. Like you're allowed to have a niche. The whole point of America is we're supposed to be free range chickens. Everybody can be their own thing, e pluribus unum. But at Chick-fil-A, what they're doing, because they know vegans, you know, vegans want an option. You have an option, vegans. It's called sadness. You have that option. Go be sad. Live a life without meat. It's fine. It's there for you waiting to happen. But the point is Chick-fil-A says they're introducing it. Cauliflower, chicken, uh, not chicken. There was no chicken. It's a cauliflower sandwich onto the Chick-fil-A menu. And understand it's because, you know, Americans have become more health conscious. Okay, dude, this is a breaded and fried piece of cauliflower marinated in buffalo sauce. Is this thing healthy? The answer would be no. No, it's cosplay. They're putting a costume on a sandwich for people who really, really just want to eat chicken. But they don't want to give up the meat is murder sticker on their Prius. So instead, we're having pretend chicken that's fried cauliflower. And I got to be honest with you. It's not the end of the world. Chick-fil-A is still going to have customers. I'm not mad at them. I'm not saying cancel Chick-fil-A. I'm just saying this is a bad marketing strategy. You know, things get big because we like what they do. You understand? Chick-fil-A is famous for chicken. Okay? You wouldn't want to go to a Madonna concert and not see Madonna. Well, actually, you might not want to see Madonna, given all the plastic surgery and everything. But the point being is everybody in this perpetual branding exercise continues to abandon all principle. And I'm telling you, if you read this op-ed, you'll go, wow, this kid is actually like, it sounds stupid, but he's actually making a halfway decent point. Okay? Cauliflower Chick-fil-A is un-American. And as far as I'm concerned... We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing with you on the radio. Lincoln Fallon coming up in the next hour. Mark Holton's coming up. He's a star of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He was Francis. I love him. I love his movies. I'm excited to talk to him. It's Super Bowl Friday, so we're doing all the fun stuff. I'm going to be previewing the Super Bowl tonight on Waters World with Jesse Waters in the 7 p.m. hour right here on the Fox News Channel. And I will also be on the bottom line on the Fox Business Channel between 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy, and I am, of course, uh, their favorite guest. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. Dagan was on uh, the Sean Hannity show with me last night, and I didn't post it yet, but it will be up on the Fox Across America Facebook page later today, uh, as well as this morning's hit on the Faulkner Focus. Uh, we chatted a little bit about 2024 options for the Democrats if Biden comes off the ticket. There's a lot of people... There's a lot of people out there raring to go if Biden doesn't run. Some of them have run before, but they've got plenty of energy to do it again. I don't feel no ways tired. Hillary Clinton isn't the only woman making a comeback. There is a bombshell stand-up comedy special being released this Monday on Fox Nation. 
from a comedy icon who kind of left the public eye under a little bit of duress from her Twitter account. I'm not going to lie. She's going to be on our show next week, but we're going to be discussing the upcoming stand-up special from Roseanne Barr in the next hour. Lincoln Fallon will come by to preview the Super Bowl. Mark Holton will walk us through Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We're heading to the basement of the Alamo after this on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up. It is Super Bowl Friday. So I'm bringing by some of my favorites to celebrate this great nation we know as America, where you have been blessed with freedom, American privilege. That's the term I use a lot. Not white privilege or the one percent, as Bernie Sanders says. If you're listening to this right now, you live in the greatest country in the world, the most tolerant and inclusive and accepting time there's ever been as a society. You have hit the lottery. If you live in this country, he's a lousy dad, but he's right. And uh, there's no greater piece of Americana. We have no bigger cultural export than the Super Bowl. So I'm in a good mood. It is Super Bowl Friday. And uh, it's a little bit of a look ahead for me on the broadcast side of things, because next week, uh, this coming Monday, anyway, uh, Fox Nation is dropping a comedy special from Roseanne Barr. Remember Roseanne Barr? When last we saw her, she had tweeted something people were offended by. They threw her off the Connors on ABC. She kind of disappeared from polite society. But now she's back in action. She has a stand-up comedy special on Fox Nation. And I bring it up mainly because one of the big points you'll hear me make on the road when I'm doing stand-up, and we got a lot of stand-up coming up, being Fat Cats next week, five shows. They're all sold out. Uh, but if you're up in the area, you can certainly come up to Fat Cats and you can hang out, hang out in the bar. There's going to be a meet and greet. You're welcome to come even if you couldn't get tickets. Uh, I'll be in Federal Way, Washington, just outside of Seattle, Friday night, March the 3rd. I'll be at the Crest Theater in Sacramento, Saturday night, March the 4th. You can come to these gigs. One of the point I make at the beginning of my act is that we take comedy way too seriously. I always go out of my way to remind the audience jokes are not hate crimes. And in a lot of ways, the era of incentivized outrage is denying us perspective. Okay, we now get offended by jokes that were told at comedy shows we didn't even attend. Okay, do you think on the other side of the world they're getting bombed? People are starving. Third world countries, they're peeing on each other for heat. What the hell did you just say? The point is, I don't think anyone's sitting around going, but more importantly, there's a comedian. I told the joke I didn't like. They tweet that I didn't like. And uh, they, they need to be fired. Put everything else on hold. We got we to fire these people. And that's what's going on in our country now. There was a war on speech. And a lot of the times the war on speech is being done to protect specific political agendas. They label things as misinformation or hate speech because they don't want these accurate ideas introduced into the conversation as acceptable thought. Okay, understand, they were banning people from tweeting that vaccinated people could get COVID. 
they were banning you from Twitter under the old regime for saying vaccinated people could get COVID. And they were so heavy handed in their bans that they began publicly shaming the unvaccinated. And they were confident to do so despite the fact they were wrong. Not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. F*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. Did you hear that? We got to start shaming the morons. Who won't get the shots? Why? Because they said vaccinated people couldn't get COVID. So I guess we have some issues. (laughs) Vaccinated people not only got COVID, but they're dying. In the last month of available data, the vaccinated make up 58% of the deaths from COVID in this country. But you understand they banned you from saying something that was scientifically true. They labeled it a danger to society. This is why speech bans exist. This is why the outrage mob and joke bans exist. They're trying to attach a belief to the fact that you joking about something this administration doesn't agree with is going to somehow inspire hate crimes. No, you can't joke about people. You joke about a certain group of people, the folks laughing are just going to go out and kill them. That's what they say. That's why they were protesting Chappelle. Well, Dave Chappelle made fun of the trans community. Now people are going to go kill the trans people because he made fun. of. That's not how comedy works. You never turn on the news, see a mass killing where they go, wow, this guy was laughing his butt off the whole time. Nah, he heard some jokes. He was laughing so hard he just started killing everybody. Never heard it before. Never happened. Never again. Never before. Never again. Comedy is cathartic. Comedy is a way to take the power away from life's torments for a few minutes at a time. Oh, you're broke? You laugh about it. For a minute there, you feel a little bit, you know, like you got a little spiritual currency. You're still broke when it's over. But believe me, I laughed my ass off as a cab driver. We didn't forget having money in the bank. We didn't have a bank. We had a shoebox. I didn't have the Bank of America. I had the Bank of Reebok. I mean, what are we talking about here? But when they go out and they label speech as hatred, when they label speech as violence, understand, this is a political party that's not locking up criminals. Murderers, rapists are getting out of jail under woke bail reforms in this country. Everything woke turns to totally. okay. but the people who tell you speech is violence are actually letting violent criminals out of jail. And I promise you, you're never going to get punched in the head, never get stabbed in the arm and go, oh, thank God that wasn't a joke. Oh, man. Oh, that could have been worse. But that's the scam of the time we're living in. These speech bans, this heavy-handed censorship, it's about control. Okay, this incentivized victimhood is about control. When people get upset at jokes, they're not genuinely upset. 99% of the time, they're acting offended because they know they'll get something for being offended. Hey, I'm upset. I'm acting out. Give me something. I work at Netflix. They booked a comedian I don't like. I'm walking out until I get some type of a promotion or a raise to show that you're tolerant and inclusive. That's the shakedown of grievance culture. They're not here to make things better for anybody, anybody but themselves. And that's why I think Roseanne coming back, whether you like Roseanne or not, I didn't grow up a huge Roseanne fan, um, but I knew she was talented and funny, had a huge following, and she's going to be on this show next week. She's going to be on the show. The special's going to drop. 
And naturally, she's going to want to come talk to a better comedian than her. I'm kidding. Roseanne, I love you if you're listening, girlfriend. But the point is she wants to talk to a good comic, and she wants to talk to somebody who kind of has a handle on how we're receiving jokes as a country. It's one of the reasons that, you know, I've had the luck that I've had here at Fox in the past couple of years is I think the way you think. I'm not a fancy media guy. I'm not super talented. My superpower is the fact that I don't have one. But all of these people out there that are trying to turn outrage into a superpower, that are trying to turn it into a form of currency, they're really screwing up the country. Because the thing is, when we make fun of something, okay, we're treating it as an equal. The only reason jokes work is because whatever truth we're making fun of is accepted as truth by the audience. Comedy works because you go into a room full of strangers and you're able to package your ideas in a way that they can understand the point you're trying to make. Every single joke we tell is based on some accepted truth. Okay, and then we go out and we make fun. But the point is if we're making fun of something like trans people or anything in between, it's because we're treating them as an equal. We're not putting them in the kitty corner and some type of infantilized lesser than. Oh, you can't make fun of them. They can't. No, they can't take it. No, you don't treat them like children. You treat them like a part of the room. And the reason you're hearing more jokes about trans people is because they've finally been acknowledged and accepted in our society. We know they're a thing. We don't want to force them on the rest of us. We don't think biological men should be competing against biological women. We have enough self-respect to admit to ourselves that boys aren't getting pregnant. It's not a thing. It doesn't happen. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Mr. Rogers, like 50 years ago. Okay, we know this. But the point is, yes, you can exist. You can be a part of society. We don't have to hate you. We don't want to hate you. But if we're telling jokes, it's not because we believe people are going to hear them and go kill you. But that's the fraud of censorship. That's the fraud of speech is violence. It's being perpetuated by people who run cities that are doing nothing about actual violence. I promise you, okay, you're a lot less likely to call the cops because of a joke than you are because of a mugger or a rapist or a murderer or anything in between. And so when you see this Roseanne special you hear on the show last night and next week, it's because I'm just trying to give you a dose of reality. Jokes aren't hate crimes, and anyone who tells you otherwise is an idiot. I agree with that. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from the best nation in the world, it is Super Bowl weekend on Fox Across America. And that can only mean one thing. My dirtbag kid is back in the studio, Lincoln Fela. Who's not actually in the studio. You're cutting. What are you cutting right now to call in? Art class. <laughs> Is that real? That's a thing? Yeah. Am I going to get like a note from the teacher? No. I, well, if anything, your teacher should understand. It's Super Bowl weekend. Certain things have to take precedence over art. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of your artwork. It's not that good to begin with. Actually, a, a funny joke in our house is that we have a lot of your artwork hanging up, and in the middle of it is something I drew. Yeah. And no one knows the difference. Mm -hmm. And you made this stuff when you were like five, right? Yeah. So I, I shouldn't be throwing rocks out of my glass house. But the Link Man, back on the East Coast, uh, we, of course, spent the weekend out in Carson City last week. What would you think of that? It was crazy. Wasn't it nuts? Mm -hmm. Everybody was great. Uh, they were out of control. We were in, like... All the different sides of the country within 48 hours. <laughs> Yo, he was in school last Friday. By Friday night, we were in Sacramento 
eating at Mel's Diner at like 1 or 2 in the morning, mm -hmm. maybe 4 or 5 in the morning, New York time. Then we drove across the state, hit Reno in Carson. Then we went to where, Virginia City? Yeah. Pretty rowdy. Then we went back to Reno. Then we went to Carson. And we never slept. Yeah. We slept after the show how long Saturday two night? Two hours. Maybe two hours, right? And then we went to the airport. It was a whole to-do. The power went out in the Reno airport. Yeah. So last week, I didn't even mention this on the radio last week. Uh, me and Lincoln get to the Reno airport Sunday morning. All the power goes down. And in order to board the planes, they have to check everyone and their bags in manually. And we made it. Like, I honestly, I thought Sunday morning when we walked into the airport, I thought we would still be there right now. Like, I thought we were going to have to resort to cannibalism and eat the fat lady on the plane. And I was actually a fat lady. It was a fat guy that I sat you next to. They didn't sit Lincoln and I together on the plane, and I felt really bad because when we were splitting up, like, we either one of us could have went in row 25, and you were sitting with, like, a legitimate carnival attraction. Yeah. Kind of a big guy. There wasn't a lot of room, but. <laughs> Did you guys snuggle? No. Uh, I was just trying to do my own thing, but it's weird when you're stuck next to two strangers for two hours. Yeah, it's a long time. And that one guy thought he, he looked like he thought you were kind of cute. You know how they roll on the West Coast? Yeah. You had some options on that plane. You had some options at the show. What were they telling you after the comedy show? That smile kid gets you anywhere. <laughs> How'd you like being on stage? It was cool. You did a lot of time. Like, you did probably 10 minutes a show, would you not say? No, I did. You had some, some silly answers. Yeah, some silly questions. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. And one woman actually got thrown out. We didn't mention her by name, but a woman did get thrown out of the Late Show. Actually, she kind of voluntarily left, yeah. right? But how hammered was the girl that came up to us really, before the Late really Show? Really hammered. I knew, I knew who it was getting thrown out because I recognized her voice from when we met her before. <laughs> a great night was had all around, though. Thank you for everybody who was a part of it. Lincoln might be coming back on the road with me soon. We'll see. If the state hasn't take, taken him away, if we haven't lost custody after the bender in Reno where you came home smelling like Sammy Hagar beach bum rum. Did you get any of that from the shot girls? No. Well, those are your first shot girls. Be honest. I think. I, I haven't been to a casino or anything. Yeah, like that's that. true. And people think when they hear you on the show that you're like cooking meth when me and mommy go away on vacation. Yeah. And they don't realize we're not dirtbag parents like that. We make sure you're home when we cook the meth. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need the house burning down. You know exactly. what I'm saying? But Lincoln Fail is in studio. Why? Because this Sunday is what? Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday in the Fail of family. There is no bigger holiday. It's bigger than Christmas. It's bigger than Easter. With all due respect to the religious people in the audience, would you not say in our family? That well, it depends on who's playing. Yes, but in terms of the actual pageantry at my mom's House oh, like Grammy's the food head. and stuff? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot more food. So let's talk about this really quick for the audience, okay? We will have, I'll, you tell me, check, okay, when I say we have this. We'll have pizza. Check. Wings. Check. A hundred White Castles. Check. No, she said no White Castles. What she? happened? I, I, she just said she wasn't bringing them. Well, Mikey usually I, brings uh, them. Yeah, he's in South Carolina. Okay, so there'll be nacho dip. There'll be a hero. Check. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be some Grammys. Pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. Spanakopita, mozzarella yep. sticks, penny olive vodka. Cousin Di makes a mean buffalo chicken yeah. dip. It's disgusting. The only thing probably then is the White Castles because Uncle Mikey usually brings them. Yeah. Do you know before it was White Castles, Uncle Sonny used to just bring McDonald's cheeseburgers. They were great. He'd get like $50 cheeseburgers, and you can't go wrong with a McDonald's cheeseburger. No. But that's not why you're on the show. You're on the show to do what? Super Bowl You're picks. cutting art class. This better be a good pick for the American people. Lincoln's been giving out picks the whole playoffs. If you've been betting these games, you've been making a little bit of money. Uh, but the line right now is as we go into the Super Bowl Sunday, it is the Eagles my are favored team. by, yeah, two or one and a half. Bill, I saw Bill Hammer in the hallway before. He says, like, who you got, brother? 
and he said the line is one and a half. So if you're betting this game with Bill Hammer of America's Newsroom fame, you're getting one and a half points, either with the Eagles minus one and a half, which means you got to win by two, or if you're betting the Chiefs, you just need them to lose by one or less. So you basically yeah. need to win the game. What's it going to be? So there's a lot of trash talk leading up to it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia has a good defense. Mahomes as the MVP. Mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster on the Chiefs said Philadelphia cheesesteaks aren't even that good. Whoa! The good ones aren't even in Philly. Wow. That's like worse than insulting somebody's mom. I know. That's like worse than putting like your team's jersey on the Rocky statue. <laughs> Did they really do that? Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster said it at a press conference. That they were going to put a, a Chiefs jersey on the Rocky statue? Like, they didn't learn... No, not the Chiefs jersey, but oh. that... Uh, the best cheesesteaks aren't from Philly. Wow, that's aggressive. Lincoln Fale is in studio. We're talking about the Super Bowl because you don't want to get too cocky like the Bengals did. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of glad they lost that game so they could kind of like get brought back down to earth. Reel it in. Did you think it was a little arrogant calling it Burrowhead? Yeah, exactly. You need to take a paternity test because you're Joe Burr and you're Patrick (laughs) Mahomes' dad. (laughs) Well, let's talk about this. We're on the radio in both places. We're on in Kansas City. We're on in Philadelphia. Um, so without alienating the fans, not that it matters. They don't really care. They know you're just having a good time. But who do you think is actually going to win this game? Uh, the e- it's tough. I mean, the Eagles' defense is really good, but the 49ers players are all talking about how they're going to get exposed this weekend. Because, really? yeah, if they had if the, they the had 40- a healthy quarterback, they said they would have won that game. I mean, the 49ers really were down to the guy who throws the Dr. Pepper challenge at halftime. Yeah. They had nobody to throw the ball. I, I'd like I we were technically next on their depth chart, I think. Yeah. So Uncle, no, Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, if they would have put Uncle Rico in, I don't know if they would have won the NFC title game, but they would have been what? State champs. <laughs> Ain't no doubt in my mind. Ain't no doubt about it. Uh Lincoln Fail, we got a minute to go. Who do we bet? Super Bowl Sunday. You got the Chiefs, you got the Eagles. Eagles given one and a half out in Arizona. What do we do? My heart says Chiefs, but I think it's going to be the Eagles. Oh, he says Eagles. Oh, man. Listen, Josh is cringing in the booth as a Giants fan, but they probably are the most complete team. Like in terms There's of this not game. one weak spot on that team, but I'm telling you next year they're not going to be as good. They have way too many free agents. So you think the salary cap's going to take out the Eagles? Yep. So it's good news if you're a police horse in Philly because you're only oh, going to yeah. get punched in the face this Once. one time. You'll be able to heal in time for next year's playoffs. Yeah. There you go. Lincoln Fail, you got to get back to art class. Don't tell your mom I let you do this. All right. Back after this. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if you listen to the show on the regular, you know that I'm trying to call as much attention as I can to our nation's crime crisis. And joining me now uh, in an attempt to fly on into the storm is probably the most notorious bicycle thief in the history of this country. I am talking about Francis Buxton from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The great Mark Holton is on Fox Across America. Hey, man. Hey, they never proved a damn thing on me, brother. (laughs) The Buxtons are not thieves, Pee Wee. (laughs) No, we are not. All right. All right, Mark Holton. Let's just jump right in and say this. You need to know this. And I had messaged you uh, privately about this. Okay. Here at Fox News, I wasn't kidding when I said this. Okay. 
between the talent you see on TV, the producers that make these shows go round, and the actual executives that employ us, we speak in Pee Wee's Big Adventure shorthand, I would say like 60% of our workday. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. Let me give you an example just so you can roll with me, okay? Every time, every time on this show someone mentions Andrew Cuomo, Okay, our governor here in New York who kind of went away. I frequently refer to him, just listen to me, as Hansy Andy Cuomo. Andy! Andy! And then you hear Pee Wee talking about Andy. Some, yeah. Sometimes when we're challenging a fact that we don't like out of the administration, you'll hear us say, You can't just make up lies about people. The point is, we're always quoting Pee Wee in some capacity. And you, I, I just, you need to know this. You have, there is a reverence for you specifically as the comedic actor that you are here that you probably didn't even know existed. Okay. And that, that's, I, I wanted you to have that, Holton, from us to you. I just, I wanted you to know that you are greatly appreciated. This is friendly fire. But my question for you, as a notorious bicycle thief and a guy who's in my all-time favorite movie as well, The Naked Gun, is do, oh. you, do you like the direction uh, comedy is going in right now, or, or are there things you would change? I think it's turning around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I really do. I think it's turning around. I think people are are coming to their senses and saying, you know, enough of this woke baloney. Yep. I've had it. Mm-hmm. You know, funny is funny. This is not – I don't want to be lectured to. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very, very small percentage of the country yes. that's actually uh, – you know, mm-hmm. uh, ca- causing all the trouble for everybody else. But yep, it's kind of you a, know that's that's just mm-hmm. that's just me. So no, I do. I think it's like a tyranny of the minority where there was a moment there where the people getting upset oh, yeah. had power because we didn't understand how many num what kind of numbers they had. You know what I mean? But you realize, yeah, yeah human nature is we just want to have a good time. I mean, and 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 I think now that we've kind of stood behind the magician of the woke mafia and seen where the rabbit's going and how they do the card trick. I think we are kind of trending back into the right direction because the, the next question I was going to ask you is I think Pee Wee was safe in any era, but the naked gun, uh, that that had a lot of creative license <laughs> with topical jokes at the time. There was a little, there was a little controversy in there. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but the idea of like Reggie Jackson killing the queen and you recognizing Enrico Palazzo, uh, was that the most fun film you worked on? You know what? I was there for a half a day in the stadium. Oh, that's funny. Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they brought in uh, the extras and, and dressed it up, and I knew the storyline. And um, I was, uh, you know, pretty much in and out. They were really quick. Oh, that's funny. So, I mean, it was bada bing, bada boom, bada bang. I don't even think I, I was invited to the, uh, the screening. Stop it! I was walking. No, I'm serious. I was, like, walking down Sunset or something. Going to an audition, and some guy pulls up to the curb next to me, uh-huh. rolls his window down, and goes, Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. You were bad, man. <laughs> I went, What the hell just happened? You know? <clears throat> oh, okay. Uh, naked gun. How did he know that? Oh. So it was it was just like right out of the blue. That is. And uh, and it's just it's just ballooned over the decades. Oh, it's. You know, the, the Enrico Palazzo thing. And, and how, how cool is that? It's 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 amazing. Uh, We're talking to the great Mark Holton, uh, Hollywood royalty, Fox News royalty as well here behind the scenes. Um, I did not know I was I was just down in Bricktown. I didn't realize you were born in Oklahoma City, but I was just at the Bricktown Comedy Club. 
Well, I'll be damned. We'll, I wish uh, I'd known that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, would you I, would you actually show up and would you come to a show the next time I'm in town? Because we'll certainly leave oh, you tickets. Hell yes. Oh, Holton. This yeah, is if deal. you come to Bricktown Comedy, I'll be there in a heartbeat, man. I'll, oh. if, if you come to Tulsa to do KRMG. Whoa! I'm 25 minutes away from your, from your studio. Holton, you know too much. I didn't realize you had this kind of intel. This is crazy talk. Well, that means a lot to well, me. Well, uh, I live, believe it or not, uh, in a small town just south of Tulsa. Oh, get out of here! So i i can i can uh, i can be wherever you are in this state, anytime, anywhere, man. Oh wow! And uh, I've got a, a you're a cigar smoker, right? Yes, I am. Okay, I got a little uh, cigar lounge to take you to. Oh man! We can uh, we fire one up and uh, you know throw up our feet some big uh, overstuffed leather chairs if you would like that. Holden, this is amazing. I feel like I should be paying three ninety nine a minute for this kind of dirty talk. This is great. <laughs> this is oh fantastic. man, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. You have you have really made my year. Oh uh, buddy. You're a great guy. I mean I I had uh uh and I, I just I, I, I feel uh, you know blessed beyond measure. I really do. And I know you feel that way about your life too. Oh, and I, um, it's yeah. um, you know the more the more I listen to you, and, and not just your funny side, Jimmy, mm-hmm. but 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 what you really think and feel or whatever. The other day you were talking about uh, <clears throat> holding your son for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, what was going through your mind and wondering how could anyone anyone not be protective of this you know being. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I flashed immediately on my child, mm-hmm. my first son, and uh, his you know little hand gripping your little finger, and yeah. and I know okay that's a good strong boy he's going to be okay, and uh, and then talking to him and him opening his eyes, yeah, and uh, and looking me in the eye because he knew my voice because I had talked to him a lot. (laughs) Oh, that is so crazy. I mean, the two things that really jumped out at me at the most, you're right, is Lincoln squeezing my finger, and then, of course, Maury Povich saying it was my baby. That was always that. All, that also got me as well. We're talking to oh Mark Holton. I'm kidding, man. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. We're talking to Mark Holton. That's so funny. Um, let me ask you a quick question because I appreciate that. I, I, you know, you getting me and what I'm trying to do. You know, I spent so much time as a cab driver listening to talk radio, and I was harboring this suspicion that there were millions of guys like you and me out there, like people who just got the joke. That most of what this is, especially when it comes to politics and issues, is we, you know, we kind of put ourselves in political boxes. But the truth is, there's such a human element to all of this. And if you just prioritize these basic shared human experiences, there's still a way to make progress in this country. It just doesn't get clicks. Progress doesn't make get the clicks that sensationalism does. But if you actually care about a greater good, I mean, the things we're talking about, probably the way forward. So should you and I run for office or are you going to fail the background check like me? Oh, I, I would I would fail immediately. Uh, <laughs> my family would say, "What in the hell did you just pack into that last cigar, Mark?" <laughs> oh, hold no. oh, no, that's I, okay, I, 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 I wouldn't even think about politics. Why would you put yourself through that? No, you know, I mean, you're you're younger than me. You know, you were ten years old uh, the year that I uh, graduated from high school. Uh-huh. So you know, you should be calling me Uncle Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Mark Holden's on the phone. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Uh, 
Do you sure. uh, are you are you still chummy? Do you talk to Paul Rubens once in a while? Uh, we, uh, especially you know during Christmas, you mm-hmm. know he sends us a Christmas card. I'll send one back. Sometimes a, a little gift here and there. Oh, that's uh, awesome. He, he called this last uh, my birthday last uh, July, mm-hmm. uh, and um, he he sent a video, and it went on forever, and it just. <laughs> You know, it was like all the years uh, melted uh, between us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the last time I actually saw Paul was right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. He was doing the national uh, tour mm-hmm. at these beautiful, gorgeous old theaters. Mm-hmm. And he happened to, to be in Dallas. And I said, I'd like to come down there. He said, come on down, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my wife and I went in there and sat uh, very, you know, nonchalantly quiet, incognito. And damn it if he didn't spotlight me. <laughs> so when he was backstage with security, I was getting mobbed. I didn't mind it a damn bit. I loved it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had this big guy come up to me and uh, throw his arms around me and say, can I have a, can I have a hug? <laughs> and I said, sure. And uh, this guy's got like shocks of gray in his hair, right? Uh-huh. And he said, you were part of my childhood. Um, and his voice was quavering. Oh man! And it just—it was like, <clears throat> okay, I, I get it. Uh, you know, maybe I don't need to be so damn hard on myself anymore. <laughs> no way! And man. that's when I started doing conventions. <laughs> <laughs> no man! Oh, when you think of what a thinking f- of that, yeah, thinking of that mm-hmm. p- pardon me for interrupting. Yeah. What, what weekend? What are the dates you will be at Bananas in New Jersey? Oh, Mark, I'll be there April 21st and 22nd uh, up here Net. in Bergen. Gonna be uh, on... I will be in Persephone, uh, what is it, 25 miles away the next weekend. Well, you you know what? If you're around on the East Coast, we'll make you come to a Fox show or something. You can come here or come hang out or whatever. Don't worry about it. You don't have to make it to the stand-up show. You can get a— well, Twist uh, my arm. You won't have to twist it too damned hard either. <laughs> well, the listeners need to know. the way. One of the reasons this came about is you were watching Fox someday and Kennedy, one day, and Kennedy and I were on The Five, and we were talking about your film. And one of the things, Mark, that I didn't get to share with you about that experience is one time here at Fox, one of the best laughs we've ever had is Geraldo was on with us. And it was Kennedy and I were on with Geraldo. And the question was, if you could have one prop from any movie, what would it be? Kennedy said she wanted the bicycle from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So I made a joke, which was, well, you're out of luck because it's at the Alamo in the basement. At which point, Geraldo chimes in. He goes, Alamo in San Antonio? And I go, yo, Geraldo, how many Alamos do you know? (laughs) 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 I've, I've I've never heard somebody yell out in Texas, remember the Alamo, and somebody yell back, which one? Oh uh, yeah, okay. I'm I'm having to uh, to bite my lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you go easy. You go easy on Geraldo. We'll rough him up when we see him oh, on yeah, TV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask yeah, you this. You know, go, go ahead. You oh, make oh, your yeah. point. Go ahead. No, I was just going to tell you. I, I have a, a friend in San Antonio that writes uh, for a paper, and he he had to do a story on the Alamo, and they now they actually have two basements for storage. <laughs> But they're just like packed full of crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, when he did the story, anyway, that was a, that was a, the, the story. Anyway, but anyway, just an FYI, <laughs> Adobe.
That's unbelievable. <laughs> We're talking to Mark Holton. Um, I, I, I have so many laughs. Uh, let me ask you a quick Team Wolf question, too. Um, sure. Because work, working on that film, I just recently showed that to Lincoln Fela. And uh, you, of course, hit an epic shot at the end. I don't mean to spoil it for people. You, you hit an epic shot at the end of the game. Uh, was Michael J. Fox cool to work with? Very cool. Very cool to work with. I was on the, the court with him back and forth for 12 to 18 hours a day. It was just nuts. And he would he would leave at the end of the day uh, towards the end uh, and was starting on um, uh, Back to the Future. Oh wow! So yeah, he was he was a he was a cool guy. I, I enjoyed every minute I spent with Mike. Uh-huh. Did you, uh, as a result of that time period in the '80s, you're in Hollywood, you know Michael J. Fox. Did you spend a considerable amount of time of your youth driving around in a DeLorean? Uh, no, uh, never, uh, never. Uh, Caught the eye. I, I'm probably more likely to see the DeLorean now at the convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, the convention in per- Persephone is. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. It happens. Uh, will will be a chiller theater. Ooh. Just think, Count Floyd, Monster Chiller Theater. <laughs> it's well, like twenty twenty six years. I think they've been doing it now, and it's it's, it's a big one. Uh, so I hear it's, it's just supposed to be a pretty cool gig. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, listen, we're, we're going to make sure we have you back on to promote it. Uh, and certainly if you're on the East Coast, we'll hook up when you come this way. And I'll let you know when I'm going down to Tulsa. But, uh, no, you yes, sir. you have uh, – I, I mean this. This is a big deal. Like, we're going to get off the phone. I'm going to send this to executives that think this is the greatest thing in the world. You have no idea. <laughs> you have a cult. You're like a legend. You're, you're, you're a bigger deal around Fox News than, like, Reagan. You're the, you're the Reagan of actors. How does that uh, sound? Bold. No, no, I meant Reagan, the, the porn actress, Reagan Fox. I didn't oh, mean Ronald okay, Reagan. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. kidding. Well, you're right there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'd actually call BS on the porn actress more than the president if I were you. Uh, listen. Okay, well, sure. Francis Buxton, uh, Mark Holton. This, I, I do mean this was a career highlight. Let's please do it again soon. Yeah. Well, I, I would just like to say God bless uh, Mrs. Shimenti <laughs> for uh, putting you on this road with your, your little football helmet and uh, – <laughs> I wish I had one of my little football helmets that uh, were an, an incarnation before those that had a pencil sharpener in them. And you could pop the pencil sharpener out and stick it on the head of your G.I. Joe. Oh, my God. I remember that. Oh, this is you really you're taking me back now. All right. I'm going to get emotional. Just go. You're the best, Mark. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, Bye-bye. brother. There he goes. The legendary Mark Holton. You have to know if you know anything about me. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And The Naked Gun are probably the two most seminal films in my existence. And the idea that I had an opportunity to interview a guy uh, from either of those films, let alone both of them, I do mean it. You just shared a career highlight with me. That was hilarious. (laughs) A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. How about it from my man, Mark Holton? Just a banner day, I guess. Lincoln Fela brought the heat. Holton was spectacular. Wesley Hunt's always a blast. Rick Zioli off the hook. You're listening in PHT in Philadelphia. Of course, Jared Max doing a bang-up job as well. It's Super Bowl Friday. The country's in a good mood. You should be in a good mood. You live in America... Never been a better time to be here. Yes, it looks like hell on paper. The inflation and, you know, 
the border and the crime and the you know, Biden sucks. I get it, but you're still living, you know, in the greatest country, the greatest source of good the world has ever known. And when I was sitting around in a cab, getting cut off and shot at and chased by pantless time travelers and everything else you see in a cab, beer drinking goats and hobbits and what have you. I really always harbored a suspicion that there were lots of guys like Mark Holton out there that were in on the joke. That like, hey, man, you're just supposed to be having a good time. Just lighten up. Yeah, we'll figure out these issues. Don't worry about it. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Go eat everything known to man, everything that's not nailed down, and a few things that are. Okay? Don't, you know, don't worry. We got a makeup team. We're going to be fine. Can you imagine what the makeup team is going to say Monday morning on America's Newsroom when I sit down in that chair? <laughs> You've no, I'm about to eat everything. Like, it is a cry for help. I have two TV hits left. I'll be on the bottom line with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy in the 6 p.m. hour. And then I'm going to be on Waters World in the 7 p.m. hour doing a Super Bowl preview. And then I'll be appearing at the diner. Oh, you have no idea just how much food is about to go. You have no idea. You're killing yourself the way you eat, you fat f- Look at you. I don't even care. It is Super Bowl weekend. It is a win for America. No matter who comes home with this trophy one way or the other, you're already a champion because you live here. So be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.